Good morning again, church. I seem to have lost my blazer. I'm sorry, I was sweating a lot. That worship band was, was really killing it, weren't they? So I want to welcome you again. So I'm going to let you in on something. Around church folks on Easter, if you hear somebody loudly proclaim this, and maybe this has already happened to you today when you walked in, he is risen... There's usually a response they might be expecting you to say. Does anybody know what that is? You're supposed to say he is risen indeed, and um, you're supposed to say with a smile on your face. Because if we really believe what we're saying we believe, it has implications that change everything. It means that, that, that we are more deeply forgiven more fully loved than you could ever imagine. And, and so we're going to try this out. We're going to try it out together. And I want you to try to say it with a smile on your face. Smile even if you don't mean it, because sometimes that makes you smile for real. Okay, so he is risen. That didn't sound very happy. One more time. He is risen. Well, welcome again, church. My name is Tim Power. I am an associate pastor here, and I want to say whether you're joining us here in the room, sometimes some folks I'm seeing back maybe for the first time since, uh, since we've been closed down uh, for the pandemic, and, and we, we, we reopened last year right after Easter, but some folks it just takes a little bit of time to get back into that habit of worship, or some people have been uh, worshiping online with us, which has been awesome, and maybe this is your first time back with us in person, and there are folks that are joining us online right now, that are, that's, that's what they do now, they worship with us online, they engage our church community in other ways, but I want to let you know this, whether you're here in person or online, you're in the right place. It is no accident or coincidence that you're here today because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I do believe that God has a message just for you today, that God wants to speak something to you and to your heart in particular. Um, you are in the right place. And, and that doesn't, I'm not saying that just to, to, to say, that it's, isn't Salem such a great church? I love Salem. I think it is a great church. But what I am saying is that when you're in God's presence, when you're worshiping our risen Savior Jesus, you're in the right place. You're in the right place when you're with Jesus. Um, have you ever been in the wrong place or felt out of place? So I had uh, an experience recently where I felt very, very out of place. Uh, I went to the gym, and that, that's not the joke. <laughs> that's the start of the story, okay? So it probably won't, uh, it won't shock you. I don't lift a lot of weights or anything like that. But I do love running, and um, a lot of times weather, especially lately, hasn't cooperated that well. So um, I've got a, a Club Fitness membership. This, um, this sermon is brought to you by Club Fitness, by the way. Um, I'm kidding, but uh, I, I, I sometimes have to go to the gym to work out. And one time, it was a Monday night, uh, this was just a couple weeks ago, uh, and I was serving down at Haven Street. Uh, you saw Roy Jones Jr., our director of Haven Street up there. I was, I was serving with him on a Monday night, and that, that's such a fun experience. Uh, and so I highly encourage you if, you, if you're looking for some way to uh, serve in the community and, and just be a bigger part of community, that's an awesome opportunity, and it's an easy way to jump in and do that. But I was serving with Roy on a Monday night, and I, I thought, I want to go 
after, uh, after we're done serving and I want to go for a run, but it was raining. So I, I looked up on my phone, where's the closest club fitness? And there was one not too far away. I had never been to this location, but, but they're pretty much all the same, right? So, so I went and I had my backpack with my workout clothes and I scanned my, my little card dealie at the front. And um, as I'm walking in, I'm, I'm texting with my wife to let her know that I'm going to be home after my run. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't really paying attention where I was going, but I mean, every one of those buildings is pretty much the same, right? So I get to the locker room, um, I'm, I, I get my work clothes off, and I get my running clothes on, and I throw my bag in a locker, and uh, as I'm tying my shoes, the place is pretty much empty, but as I'm tying my shoes, I, I kind of look ac- across the locker room, and I see somebody at a sink washing their hands, and, and this is strange, it was a lady, and I immediately felt embarrassed for her because she doesn't know she's in the men's locker room. And so I'm kind of giggling to myself and I'm looking around for another guy to say, what's this lady doing? And I, and I didn't see any guys and there was no guys at the lockers. There was no guys at the urinals. Actually, come to think of it, there were no urinals. And it suddenly struck me, but... But way, you guys, it would have struck you a lot faster than me. I was in the women's locker room. And so I stood straight up, looked straight down, and walked as fast as I could out of the women's locker room. And then I walked right across the way to the men's locker room uh, uh, and, and opened up a bathroom stall, sat down, and put my head in my hands and just remembered that I had left my bag, my keys, my phone, and all of my clothes in a locker in the women's locker room. So if you'd like to hear the rest of that story, come back next Sunday for the exciting conclusion of the pastor who almost got arrested in the women's locker room. So it is no fun to feel out of place, is it? Maybe, maybe it was a big step for you to come today. Maybe somebody asked you to come and you were like, ah, okay, okay, I'll come because you won't stop talking about it. Or, or, or maybe it's a family deal and you'll go because it's Easter. But maybe you've also had some painful experiences in church where you've been shamed or you've been rejected or, or you've been unwelcome. Maybe you grew up in church and, and you got driven away by the hypocrisy and the judgment that you experienced. I get that. But let me say to you again, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Because I believe that Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally. And he pursues you relentlessly. So today you're in the right place. And I hope you're ready for some good news. Is anybody ready for good news? Okay, so Easter is all about good news. It's all about this word, resurrection. And I hope it doesn't spoil it for anybody. Do you know there's a resurrection part of this story? That, that Jesus, you know, we, we, if, if, if anybody was around this week, we spent some time on Good Friday, where, or actually it started on Maundy Thursday, where, where we celebrated his last meal with his disciples. And then he died on a cross for our sins, and we celebrated that on Good Friday. 
Good Friday doesn't always feel so good. But, but, but that's when we, we talked about that. Now, I hope it doesn't ruin the story, but, you know, on Sunday, what happens? Jesus is resurrected. And, I, I, again, I hope that doesn't spoil the story. I have, I have, uh, I have one son who loves spo- spoiling stories. Um, and, actually, I've got three sons, but I'm kind of partial just to this one. I, I'm kidding. If you don't know me, I'm, I'm, that was a joke. I love all of my three sons, but, but my one son, my middle son, he loves to spoil movies and TV shows. Like, he always thinks he knows what's going to happen, and, and so, so he'll always try to spoil the plot. So we'll be watching a TV show, and, and he'll, be like, he'll be like blurting things out. He'll be like, oh, oh, I'll bet he's the bad guy. He's really the bad guy. Or, or oh, no, 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 I'll bet he's not even real. I'll bet he's a hallucination. Or, or no, 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 I'll bet he... Is, is actually going to murder that guy, and, 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 then, and then he's going to marry his wife, and then he'll steal all the gold. And I was like, buddy, we're watching Daniel Tiger. I don't think that's going to happen in Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. But he always likes to guess the end of the story, but we already know the end of this story of Jesus, right? And it's good news. It's resurrection. It's life-conquering death. It's light-conquering darkness. Hope conquering hopelessness. And it's not a spoiler to know how it ends. In fact, I need that good news to be the lens that I see everything else through. I need that good news to be how I see the world. I I need like, like a resurrection filter over everything. And I, I, I want you to desper- I desperately want you to remember this truth. If you get nothing else out of today, I want you to hear these words. The worst thing is never the last thing. The best is yet to come. Let me say that one more time. The worst thing is never the last thing. And the best is yet to come. I think that's the lesson we get out of the resurrection. And, and boy, some of us need that today. So I don't have a big agenda today. I, I really don't have a lot to say for myself personally, but what I do want to do is just simply read this gospel story to you about the resurrection of Jesus. And I want you to hear the good news. And then towards the end of this service, I'm just going to give you an opportunity, if you have not ever done this, to make the good news your good news. To make his resurrection your resurrection. So I'm going to start by reading this passage from Luke chapter 24. And like I said, a little bit of context is that Jesus, he changed everything in his life on earth. He he created a whole new way of living, which was to put everyone around him first and have show radical love that changed everything. And he was always talking about bringing a kingdom, an upside down kingdom of radical love. It was so different than anything else they'd encountered. And, and he gathered disciples around him. And um, eventually he was arrested, hung up on a cross. And like I said, that was what we, we talked about on Good Friday. But this is the story where we find it in Luke chapter 24. It says this, very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but has been raised. Remember that he told you while he was still, what, what he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. And Peter ran to the tomb. When he bent over and looked to look inside, he saw only the linen cloth, and he returned home wondering what had happened. I, I think it's important whenever we're reading Scripture to, to try to use our imagination, to try to put ourselves in the place of these characters. Now, what if you had been following this guy, Jesus? If you had seen him do all of these miracles, if you had heard him talk on and on about this coming kingdom of, ra of radical, revolutionary love, and, and you'd seen how he did life differently. He was a religious leader, and yet he made friends with sinners, and he made friends with the outcast. And, and, and you probably if you were a disciple of Jesus, had heard some things that to you sounded downright crazy, like that super awkward dinner that he had with all of you where he said that you would eat his flesh and drink his blood. So you were confused often, but you knew that there was something different, something that was just unbelievable about this person, Jesus. And yet this is where they find themselves probably very confused, probably just so sad. But you know, the funny thing is, Jesus said to his disciples many, many times, three times just in the gospel of Luke, that, that he would be handed over to the authorities, that, that, that he would be killed for their sins, and that he would be raised again on the third day. But Jesus said it over and over again, but they couldn't believe it. And even when, when, when there's this angelic encounter, and some of the disciples see it and the others don't, they, they say it can't be true, it can't be true, because sometimes it's tough to believe in good news, right? <laughs> sometimes things are too good to be true. Do you ever think that, that maybe it's just too good to be true, the idea of a Savior that loves you unconditionally? that pursues you relentlessly, maybe it's easier to believe in bad news than it is good news. That's actually true. Did you know that? That, that our brains are conditioned to, to pivot towards bad news? Um, there's this really fascinating psychological phenomenon called negativity bias. And, and it's basically the idea that our human brains are conditioned to give more weight to negative things than positive things. I heard one psychologist describe it. It's like when our brains see good news, it's like seeing vegetables. And when they see bad news, it's like seeing candies. It's like seeing the Cadbury eggs, right? That's what bad news is to our brains. Now, you'll, you'll have a chance to try this out later today, I'm sure. When you, are, when you have the veggies in front of you or you have the Cadbury eggs or the Reese's Pieces, which are easier to grab for? 
Because sometimes bad news is, is, is what we gravitate toward, and, and good news is hard for us. Um, there's a, a social psychologist, Roy Baumeister, and he wrote a book all about the negativity, negativity bias. It's called The Power of Bad, How the Negativity Effect Rules Us and How to Rule It. Now, in this book, he suggests that we need to curate our news and our media intake kind of like we would to try to have a low-fat diet, to have a more low negativity uh, content diet for the things we let in because our brains are always going towards the bad, always going towards the negative. Or maybe, or maybe, what we could do is just take seriously this message of the resurrection. Take seriously this message about Jesus. Romans 5.8 says this, God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Is there any sinners in this room? A handful. Wow. If you don't think you're a sinner, ask your spouse. Ask your best friend. Ask your parent. Ask your children. Ask those closest to you. You'll probably find that in some way in your life you fall short. And what Jesus did was to come. So when we fall short, he carries us. And no matter what kind of guilt or shame you came in with today, the resurrection means that his life, his new life can be your new life. It means that his victory can be your victory. His light can be the light that you see the world by. There's this Great quote by C.S. Lewis where he said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. That's what the resurrection is like. By the resurrection we can see everything else. Now, I keep talking about good news and hope and joy, and I'll bet for somebody here or somebody watching online, that is the most frustrating and trite thing they can hear because they're going through it. They're going through some of the hardest times they've ever gone through. Maybe they just got the worst diagnosis possible from their doctor. Maybe they're in the middle of a broken relationship and they see no hope. Wherever you're at, I, I want you to know that I'm not trying to minimize anybody's pain or minimize the things that we go through. But I still believe, I have to believe that the resurrection points to me to this point. The worst thing is not the last thing. The best is yet to come. The worst thing is never the last thing. The best is yet to come. I really love uh, the writings of Frederick Buechner, and uh, he was this author, and he kind of lived a life like Jonah, uh, where he kept running away from God, and uh, he became this famous novelist and a public intellectual, but he just couldn't shake God, or maybe I should say that God pursued him relentlessly, and um, I want to share this quote kind of in closing. I'm going to invite our, our musicians and our band back up here. But he wrote this quote, and I, I think it, it makes me think about the resurrection. It makes me think about how I can change how I see the rest of the world because of the resurrection. How, how maybe if I'm letting the resurrection be the light I see the world by, 
Maybe I'll be a person that loves more deeply, shares more grace with the whole world around me because I've been touched by the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. So here's what Frederick Buechner wrote. He said this, the worst thing isn't the last thing about the world. It's the next. Uh, It's the next to the last thing. The last thing is the best. It's the power from on high that comes down into the world that wells up from the rock bottom worst of the world like a hidden spring. Can you believe it? The last best thing is laughing deep in the heart, hearts of the saints. Sometimes even, sometimes our hearts even. Yes, you are terribly loved and forgiven. Yes, you are healed. All is well. I'm going to say that last line again. And I want to say this to you personally. Yes, you are terribly loved and forgiven. Yes, you are healed and all is well. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for your resurrection. I thank you that that it can change everything. It can change my heart. It can bring me into a relationship with you. It can forgive my sins and take me from hopelessness to hope. Lord God, we're seeking your face right now. Now I'm pausing that prayer for one second. Don't worry, it's allowed. I can do this. I'm pausing because I want you, if you have never made this resurrection your resurrection, if you've never taken the good news of Jesus Christ and made it your good news, I want you to have an opportunity right now in this quiet place to just take a moment. You do not have to understand everything about theology. Like if one friend of mine says, all you have to know is that there is a God and you're not them. And that you are in need of a Savior. And that there is a Savior. His name is Jesus. He died for you so that you could live a life that is resurrected, that is full of hope. Even in the darkest night, it's full of hope and light. And you can be changed into a person who lives differently, who loves differently, because it looks just like Jesus. All you need to say is yes. That's all you need to say to Jesus today. Lord God, I pray that for anyone whose heart needs to be touched by your message of hope and resurrection, that that could happen today, that that could happen now in this place, that somebody could look back and say, that was the day, Easter 2022. That was the day that I met my Savior and my life was transformed and so many things broke off, so many things fell off from my life that I didn't need and I made Jesus Christ the main thing. So God, I'm just asking for your Holy Spirit to come and impact our hearts and even for me, Lord, I want to give my heart to you today. I want to give my life to you so that my life could be worth something. I don't want to waste my life, God. I want my life to be oriented towards your resurrection. We thank you, God. We give you all the glory. And God's people said, amen.